Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile AF the Podcast. This is episode 182 called Shayna. Today's episode is sponsored by InCircle. If you guys have been around here for a little while, you may have heard this week's sponsor as a recurring guest on my show. It's my dear, dear friend, Abby Feeder, who founded InCircle Fertility after her own six-year struggle with infertility. Abby holds the hearts and hands of women and couples navigating the turbulence of infertility. I want to read you guys something one of Abby's recent clients wrote because it really resonated with me. She said, having Abby and in InCircle at your side throughout the IVF process is like having a mom without the drama, a sister without the competition, a cheerleader without the pom-poms, a best friend who lets you be very one-sided, and a therapist whose specialty happens to 100% directly overlap with what you're going through. I tell Abby repeatedly that if she'd been my coach throughout my own infertility struggle, she'd have saved me a lot of nights crying on the bathroom floor. What I love about InCircle is that it provides a holistic approach from guidance and planning and decision-making to patient advocacy to -to day-to-day emotional support. All of this from somebody who has been there. And the coolest part is that InCircle is giving Infertile AF listeners a free 30-minute support session. So check out incirclefertility.com slash AF. that's A-L-I-A-F, and you will get your 30-minute support session from Abby and InCircle. I really can't recommend them highly enough. Again, go to incirclefertility.com slash AF. Thanks, InCircle. Today's episode is presented by Belly. Belly offers modern prenatal vitamins optimized for fertility, prenatal, and post-pregnancy health. To learn more about how to optimize your fertility and pregnancy health, check out their vegan-friendly, dairy-free, non-GMO vitamins for both men and women at bellybaby.com. That's spelled B-E-L-I-B-A-B-Y.com. The best part, if you use code Allie15, you'll get 15% off your first month of either Belly Women or Belly Men. Again, that's code Allie15, A-L-I-1-5 for 15% off. Thanks, Belly. All right, everybody. So today's guest, Shana Roth, is a senior producer at Slate, where she produces podcasts for a living. So I first heard about her and her story when she talked about her own infertility struggles on a podcast that she frequently co-hosts called The Waves. And today she's going to share that story with us, talking about endometriosis, the random places she's injected medicine in her ass, retrievals, transfers, IUIs, miscarriage, pregnancy after loss, secondary infertility, and so much more. So she's really fucking cool. I loved our convo and she has a great voice for podcasts, which makes sense because she does this for a living. So without further ado, this is Shana's infertility story. Hello, Shayna. Thank you so much for doing this today. It's great to talk to you. Hello. Thank you for having me. You have a nice podcast voice. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I've been working on it over the years. (laughs) Yes. Tell me what you do for a living before we get into your story. I am a senior producer over at Slate. So I essentially produce podcasts for a living. I produce Slate's Political Gab Fest podcast. And I also produce Slate's podcast on gender and feminism, The Waves. Mm-hmm. And I also frequently co-host The Waves. Right. So The Waves is how I first heard about you because you guys did 
a couple of episodes, right. On talking about infertility and IVF and your own story and a bunch of other people's stories. I know you said, or you or someone you interviewed said they hate the word journey. And I don't like that word, either. <laughs> but I find myself using it a lot because it's, it's gets across what you're trying to convey. Like we need a new word for that, but I can't think of a good one. No, um, no. I, I it, journey is just like the worst word, but I, I, I treat it like the way I treat potty right now. Cause like I might, we're trying to toilet train my daughter and I finally <laughs> given in and started saying potty because yeah. that's what everything, like all the books, everything that she's, every person she's coming in contact with is, do you want to use the potty? So my husband and I are right. like, fine, we will use this terrible word because that is what the universe is telling us to but use. But it's better than being like, do you need to urinate or like something more like <laughs> clinical, right? Got to take a piss. We were trying so hard to find the sweet spot and now we've just landed on potty and hopefully, you know, I within know. a few months, we won't have to say it anymore. Absolutely. Well, okay. So spoiler alert, you have a toddler or a, a, a young human in your home. So let's just start, you know, rewinding. Tell me back at the beginning, when did you start to try to have kids and what happened? Um, okay. So disclaimer, I am terrible with dates. My husband is frequently quizzing me on what year we got married and my success rate is usually at about 20%. (laughs) Well, that's okay. We don't know your life. So you could totally lie and just, you know, make (laughs) make shit up and we'll be like, okay, we're not going to fact check this. Okay, good. You don't have so, a Monica like Dax. Okay, good. Good, good, good. <laughs> we got married, I want to say around 2014. And we wanted to wait a little bit before we started trying to have kids because in my mind, I grew up Catholic. I'm now Jewish, but I grew up Catholic with the belief that like once you ha- have sex, you will get pregnant. And so I've always been very careful with having sex and things like that. So I was just sort of convinced that like once we started trying, then we would immediately get pregnant because, because Shana, that's, that's what they teach you. That's what that's they tell what they you. Teach us. That's I've, what they I've tell you. I've said this a million times. It's like, if you have sex, you are going to get pregnant. If you don't use protection and it's such bullshit. And I feel like our whole, you know, generation two, probably two or three generations of women have thought that growing up and it's just, it's fucked us all up essentially. Absolutely. And my brain has done just a complete reversal on this where once I was like, of course, as soon as you start trying, you will, and have unprotected sex, then you will get pregnant. Now my brain is just like in awe that there are people who just fucking get pregnant. I know. I'm like, what? That happens? We (laughs) call them, we call them sex babies or free babies. We're like, what are these free babies? (laughs) Amazing. So we thought for sure that we were going to get a free baby right away. Right. So we waited about a year after we got married and then we started trying and it wasn't happening. Wasn't happening every month. It was like, huh, I really thought this was going to be this was when it was going to work out. And every month I would go through like this mini anxiety, existential, whatever about like, am I really ready to be a parent? Am I Mm -hmm. really ready to do this? And then I'd get my period and go, huh? Okay. Guess not this month. And honestly, I should have known better. My mother always told us that she had trouble uh, initially having kids. My sister had some trouble conceiving initially. She ended up taking, I want to say Clomid, and then she got twins and mm-hmm. she has my amazing nieces. Okay. So there was that that kind of in the background a little bit. So that way after maybe about six months, it was kind of like, huh, we may be having some issues here. And so we went to my OB and of course we got told, 
well, wait, we'll try for a year and then we do stuff. And now I hate everybody because <laughs> it feels, it makes you feel like you've lost time because now we 100%. know so much about like how difficult it's going to be. And now I tell anybody if they've gone, you know, even a few months and haven't gotten pregnant, I'm like, just tell them you've been trying for a year. Yes, I do that too. Wrong, just tell them you've been trying for a year. That's, That's apparently the magic, the magic number. Absolutely. And they don't know, right? And also you don't need to have a referral to go to an RE. Like a lot of people are like, oh, I thought my doctor had to tell me that it was time to go. You could just go. So if anybody's new to this world, like just know you don't have to wait a year and you can make your own appointments. Yes. Yes. Which we didn't know at the time. And so we, you know, we tried for a year. Uh, We started doing like the, the test sticks and, you know, this went on for, few years mm. where it was, we were trying, we did, um, we ran some tests. It turned out I had some endometriosis, got that taken care of. I did had you have surgery or what did they do for that? I did. I did. Yeah. I had surgery. And of course, endometriosis, a woman's condition, there's not good, necessarily good science around it. You know, like they're like, we think you may have this. You ha- you were telling me you have painful periods. So we need to open you up in order to check. And so they did, and they did find, uh, I think it was moderately severe endometriosis. So got that taken care of. There were other tests that they did. And I can't remember what they're called, but like they did one where it was like the fallopian tubes, they checked them and they right. had to dilate me. And it was like the worst pain ever. And it has given me this like terrible vision of being in this room that had this awful landscape painted on the ceiling and like being in incredible pain and staring up at this landscape that I'm sure was supposed to make me feel serene. And it did not. Uh-huh. So that's <laughs> probably the HSG test, yes. which is like an x-ray yes. guy test. Yeah. So, you know, did those, I mean, we did a bunch of stuff. Honestly, I don't remember most of it very well because yeah. between the length of time and sort of the last two and a half years where everything just sort of melds together, it becomes very blurry. But at some point, eventually, we saw a fertility specialist. Okay. Um, and so we went and we met with her and we did... What did we do? We tried some medication. We tried some cycles of like here, you know, you take the meds or you do the shots or whatever. Right. Like timed cycles or medicated yeah. cycles. Did you do IUI? We did not initially do IUI. Okay. At some point, I sort of was just over all of it. And I said, look, let's just do IVF. Nothing that we're doing is working. This is so frustrating and irritating well, let's just go all in and do IVF. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a surprise to myself because I just remember when I was young and stupid being like, I'm never doing IVF. Like yeah. I knew of some people who had, of a woman who had done it. And I'm like, I would never do that. There's other things that you can do. You know, you can adopt and which is what people have told me since and they're wrong yeah. because there's just so much complication that goes into adoption and so yeah. much anguish and costs as well that go into yes. adoption that people don't tell you about. Right. That whole thing of like, well, you could just adopt. There's so yeah, many no. children in the world that yeah, or no. the worst is you could just have my kids. Right, right. Like, oh, my my terrible little toddlers. Why don't right. you just take them? I'm like, Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so let's back up just a little bit. Yeah. And I'd love to hear 
what were you going through? Like emotionally, like are your friends getting pregnant? Are you seeing people that it's seemingly happening too easily? And also like, what was the relationship piece of this for you and your husband partner? Yeah. My Um, husband. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was definitely during a time when everybody was getting pregnant. Yeah. You couldn't look on Facebook without seeing birth announcements or babies being born. I vividly remember a friend of mine who already had a kid telling us that she was pregnant on the day that I got my period and just being like, ouch, yeah, <laughs> that's rough. You know, I had a friend who was also having trouble conceiving and having trouble having a kid. And, you know, I felt like we were kind of like in this together a little bit. And then she got pregnant and it was that difficult place of trying really hard and wanting to be happy for her, but also just feeling devastated personally that like, this is really happening for everybody, but me. Totally. And I think it's okay to say that too. And to normalize that, like, it's okay to be really happy for somebody else and really sad for yourself at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And I struggle with that. And that's one of the reasons why I really never got into groups like Mm -hmm. Facebook groups and support groups and things Mm -hmm. like that, because I was like, some of these women are going to get pregnant and I'm not just, I just can't handle that. Interesting. Yeah. So I just didn't really go that route at all. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it was, it was hard. There was, I remember being in line at the grocery store and seeing this little girl who was you know, just like in a little tutu and just dancing around to the song in her head. And I just started crying. Yeah. And you just, you, you just get triggers like that as you're just going about your day, not really thinking about the fact that you got your period yet again, that you're hopped up on so many hormones from this, that, and the other thing. And then all of a sudden you see an adorable kid and just go like, why can't I have that? hundred percent. Yeah. I used to get that on the subway when Mm -hmm. I would see these I remember there was this one mom who had like five or multiple kids and she was like being so mean to them all. And Mm. I was like in the midst of like, I just had like a, my second or third miscarriage. I think I was coming home from the doctor or something and was just like, started like bawling. It was just like, why does she get to have, she doesn't even fucking like them. You know, like, I was just like, (laughs) yeah, it's not fair. It's not fair. No. And you, and you know, and you have friends with kids and, and they complain about their kids and you're just like, why are you complaining about, about this wonderful thing in your life? And, and it was also increasingly, you know, I had a core group, I have a core group of friends from college and we would get together and hang out when we all lived closer together around this time. And they all had at least one kid or were having more kids. And it increasingly felt like all we talked about was their kids. Yeah. And I had nothing to contribute with any of that. And it got to be really hard. You know, I didn't, participate in the group chat a whole lot because yeah. it was like, I, I got nothing to add here. Totally. <laughs> Sorry that your kid is doing weird stuff, but like, I, I got nothing here and right. it got hard to want to hang out with them and want to be around them or really anybody with kids because, and I get it now when you're a parent, it's, it's very much all consuming, but it seemed like all they were talking about was kids. And yeah. It was just a constant reminder that, that I didn't have that. Yeah. And I feel like there's that weird thing too, where like, you don't have anything to contribute, you feel, but you don't want to not be in the chat mm-hmm. because you want to 
not feel excluded, but like, you don't want to be there either. Like, it's just such a weird place to be. Like you're in this weird limbo state where like, yeah. you hate everyone, but you don't want everyone to leave you. Like, <laughs> Right. Right. It's like, I don't want to be completely cut out of the group, but totally. guys, this isn't happening for me. Yeah. So what about you and your husband? How is he dealing with all this? We've always done surprisingly well mm-hmm. with all of this, you know, as frustrating as it is that it took, has taken so long to get a kid. You know, I still would not have tried any sooner. Mm-hmm. I still would have waited that year because it has taken, you know, a cr- tremendous amount of effort and care with the two of us. I think it was good that we had a year of not thinking about it and not worrying about it. And it really became this this part of our lives that didn't define us, but that was a constant background noise. Mm-hmm. And I think that we are a very strong couple in part because of all of this. You know, we, we've we learned to communicate a lot better because of this, because mm-hmm. of the emotional toll that it has taken on both of us and having to communicate that with each other. We've been mm-hmm. through, you know, really devastating losses and, and hard times and just aggravation. And we've done it together and we've We've managed to not take anything out on the other one, to not resent the other one for one reason or another. And I think that we've carried that into being parents and we've become good parents because of this. Mm -hmm. There's a part of me that thinks that I am the mother that I am and he's the father that he is because it was so hard to to have our daughter. And because of that, we appreciate her more than we might have if if it had been easy. I feel um, the same. Yeah. Yeah. About the appreciation, not, not about the husband thing. My husband and I almost got divorced. <laughs> we were oh, like, wow. yeah. we're not good in a crisis, um, yeah. but we're still together now. So we got through it, but you know, it's, I feel like sometimes with couples, you either, it brings you together or it totally, you know, dr- draws you mm-hmm. apart. Like it just kind of depends on coping mechanisms and all that. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad that you guys are together and stronger and feeling grateful. So back to your journey, Shana. <laughs> <laughs> so the treatment is happening and fill me in to like what happened next. Yeah. So we decided, okay, we're going to go all in on IVF. And this was a few years ago. Um, man, I know it was, a, I know it was a long process because there was the retrieval. There was, we ended up mm-hmm. with three embryos, the sort of retrieval through the embryo part of it. It just, the number of random places that I have injected myself with medication mm-hmm. in my ass. Oh yeah. Like it was, it would have been humorous if it wasn't so devastating. And looking back, it is a little bit humorous. Like I was at the time, I was a reporter for the Michigan Public Radio Network covering state politics. And okay. so I had to give myself injections while I was at the state capitol. Nice. And there was like nowhere to do this. You know, there was like the women's bathroom. I'm like, well, I can't take my butt out just like in the bathroom. I can't do this in a stall because knowing me, I will drop my medication in the toilet. Right, right, right. So, it's going to go rolling under into the next cell and they're right. going to think you're like shooting up or something. Right. So yeah. luckily I ended up talking to a staffer and she was, and I'm like, Hey, do you know of anywhere in this building that has like a table and some privacy? And she's like, Oh, why don't you use one of our spare offices? So, you know, I had my butt out at the Capitol. I was, 
teaching. You were ass out at the Capitol. I was I love ass it. out at the state Capitol going. And of course that I had like a panic attack because usually my husband would, would give me the injections. And so yeah. this was one of the times where I had to do it by myself. And I was like, I think I did it wrong. I don't know what's happening. And I'm like calling him in a panic. And he's like walking me through it. Oh my Mind you, at one point I had told him to stop being so precious about giving me the injection. So it kind of came full circle where uh-huh. I was one being precious. Um, you know, it's like I, I gave myself injections there. I was teaching at a college in Grand Rapids that was like an hour away because we lived in Lansing at the time. And so I had to give myself injections like in an empty classroom, uh-huh. in the library, oh you know, and, and just like oh, hope somebody doesn't walk in on me shooting a needle in my butt. Like, totally. I, you know, I think I did it in my car. I know I did it in my car once. Yeah. Um, you know, I've done it at restaurants. Uh, not the, you know, not the ones that go in your butt, but like the ones that are like, you know, in your stomach. It's like the places where it's like, okay, well, the, the timer's going off. Got to do it now. Absolutely. I, yeah. There's been so many good stories. A friend of mine the other day was telling me she was at Disney World oh, and man. like, you know, like Mickey's castle or whatever, like mm-hmm. giving herself a shot in the bathroom. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, the things that we go through. And the things that you don't think about because it's all so time sensitive and you don't really think about like what you're doing with your day. Right. And then all of a sudden this thing has to interrupt and it's like, well, looks like we're going to take a short break here class and uh, I'm going to go use the the classroom next door. Nobody go anywhere, you know? Yes. Yes. Um, I remember I had to do it once in an airport bathroom and there was like other needle, sorry, airport gas station bathroom. And there were other needles like in the open garbage can. Like I'm like, I don't think those are from IVF. <laughs> like, it's like, And I remember thinking yes. someone's going to kick in this door and think I'm like shooting up heroin or something. Yeah. So did you guys just do the one retrieval? Not that, not yeah. just like, it's nothing, but yeah. did you do one retrieval or did you? Do yeah. One? So we did one retrieval. We got three embryos when all was said and done, we did the first transfer and that one did not work. And we were in Traverse City at the time that we did the blood work. And it turned into such a crazy misadventure because we went to Traverse City because that's sort of like a place where we like to go and relax. It's you know not too far away in mm-hmm. northern Michigan for anybody mm-hmm. who knows about Michigan. And we went there and we had to find a place to get the blood. And I can't remember what we were thinking, why we when no I don't know if we thought we were going to celebrate there or like if it didn't work out then you know we had a nice place to be or or what the thinking was there but I forgot my medication and so I would have needed it the next day and so, oh so I just remember thinking like oh man I really hope this worked but also it's gonna suck for Jonathan to have to drive six hours to come right. tomorrow morning with my oh medication. my gosh so, so, so like that was sort of like looming overhead. So anyway, so like we, we found a place to get uh, the blood work done. And so we're waiting and waiting and waiting and we're not getting the results back. We're not getting the results back. And we're like, well, we should have gotten them by now. And so we called the hospital where we got it done and like they refused to tell us what the results were. And we were both just like, why not? They're like, we can only tell it to the provider or whatever. And we're like, but but it's my results. I'm here. Hello. I give you whatever information you need. It was, it was bananas. I, and I don't remember why it was getting slow. Our, our doctor was so slow to get back to us, but yeah, but we were just like spending so much time on the phone with the, with the people who 
did the the blood work and we're just like, why? And then, so finally we just, we went to, to get lunch at this like little, um, uh, like little burger spot and Jonathan got the call and I was like standing next to him thinking like, this worked. Of course this worked. Obviously this worked. And then he, it turned out that no. And I think mm. we probably got some looks in the restaurant because I just, just gutterly just lost cried. it. Just Aww. absolutely devastated. And like, we like quickly. So like, sorry. Yeah. You know, we quickly got out of there and, you know, we just, you know, held each other outside and we're just like, so just utterly devastated. And mm -hmm. we ended up spending the rest of the weekend just in our, in our room, we had an Airbnb and we just sort of stayed in the room and we'd, we were not really, we've always been busy people. So we're not really like stay in bed all day or, you know, binge watch a bunch of TV people. Even then <laughs> now we definitely aren't, but like, even then we weren't really those types of people. And we just sort of stayed in bed mm -hmm. all day and we booked a cruise. We are, mm. we are cruise people. <laughs> you are cruise people. We are cruise people. We, okay. Uh, my husband is a very picky eater and I wanted to go to Europe for our honeymoon. And so the way to do that we found was, well, cruise ships has all the types of food that he will eat, which is burgers and pizza and steak. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, we're like, so we did it for our honeymoon. And then ever since then, we're like, well, this is the way to travel. You don't have to plan anything. You just get on the boat. It takes you places. You're good to go. There's stuff eat. for him to eat. Right. Okay. I just read about a couple that had retired and instead of living anywhere they were just living on cruises like for the next couple of years like going from cruise that's to cruise to cruise that is the dream that's our <laughs> retirement plan man is it oh absolutely amazing. we love that amazing uh -huh. so yeah so you know we laid in bed we booked a cruise we cried and tried to sort of figure out you know what do we do next and what we ended up doing next was we went to Ireland and Iceland and saw amazing things and just really enjoyed ourselves and enjoyed each other. And, you know, I, <laughs> we were sort of gearing up for another round, uh, to, for another transfer. And so I had to do like the, I call it vagina yogurt. I don't remember what it, it's oh like a, a biotic or whatever that you have to put in your vagina. Um, <laughs> no, it's called vagina yogurt. That's I think it's called vagina part. yogurt. Yeah. Um, Bad so yogurt. We had to take that with us. And so, but it has to stay cold. So we like Jerry rigged a, a Yeti thermos mm -hmm. uh -huh. with like a small ice packs in it. And we like uh -huh. took it through security and everything. Oh my God. Amazing. So, you know, so we, we did that and we had an amazing time. And then soon after we came back, we did another transfer and by some miracle, this one worked and, and we got L and we, at the time called her scram, which is a joke that started between a friend of mine and I because I was explaining to her sort of how it worked. I'm like, yeah, you know, they take the egg and they fertilize it and they sort of scramble it up together, you know, and that's that's how IVF works. Scram. And so we called her, we called her Scram. Um, <laughs> so what did it feel like to get that, that call, that news that you were finally pregnant, oh that it had God. worked? We, we went out to breakfast ahead of time so the morning that we were, we did, we did had to do the blood work. We, we went to breakfast and at this point we're now living in Grand Rapids. Um, and 
we sat at the the little diner table and Jonathan said, how are you feeling? And I looked at him and I said, I know my body. I'm not pregnant. Mm-hmm. And so I was very much of the mentality of, nope, this didn't happen. Probably never going to happen. Let's just go on another cruise. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, maybe I'll take up smoking because who cares? Right. Um, you know, just <laughs> feeling very very not positive about anything. And then we were sitting on the couch and we got the call and she said, congratulations, you're pregnant. And I've just, the thing I will always remember is, is the look on Jonathan's face because he was just so happy. Like everything, he just like crumbled into like a little happiness ball. Mm -hmm. And oh my God, I did not expect to start crying on this, but that was, I don't honestly really remember how I felt. I just was so happy to see him so happy. Yeah. It's so emotional and just, oh, I mean, I I still get choked up when I think about getting that phone call and my son is six and a half now for through IVF. (laughs) So it's, that doesn't go away. It's, I think the, the trauma and the not being able to have a baby when you want one, it's, it cuts so deep. It never leaves you. So it's like the, there's some deep shit going on there, yeah. you know? Yeah. And yeah. Speaking of triggers, like, I, I don't know if you do, but I, I still feel like I get triggered by certain. Oh things. my God. I saw a woman today with like a teeny tiny little newborn. And I just wanted to cry because I'm like, I want another one of those mm-hmm. and it's just not happening. Mm-hmm. And I want one so bad. Are you guys trying for any more? We are. So, you know, we had L and we were feeling great because we had one embryo left. We knew it was a girl because (laughs) our first fertility specialist doctor, uh, he slipped and told us the gender, sort of. He told us that all of the embryos were the same. Uh, So when we found (laughs) out that, right. So when we found out that this one was a girl, we're like, oh, we have, we're going to have another girl. And So when, I think it was maybe, maybe like nine months or so after, no, it had to have been at least a year. So it was at least a year after Elle was born. We were like, okay, we're ready. Let's do this. I have been, you know, because of COVID and everything, I was kind of like, you know, really be doing this now. Should we wait? But we wanted to, we wanted to move forward. Honestly, we really, we wanted the, the, the trying to have a baby chapter to be over. Yes. You know, we wanted to just be done and have our so family. Well said. Yes. So how old is Elle now? So she turned two in April. Oh, cutie. Okay. So yeah. sorry, I interrupted no, you. No, that's okay. Go back no. to what you were saying. Yeah. So we were like, okay, let's, let's, let's be done with this. Let's do it. So we did the transfer. And I mean, we were just so convinced that it was going to work, that Elle was going to have a sister. Mm-hmm. And we had um, a picture of the embryo mm-hmm. that we hung up on the cabinet. You know, we we called her M, mm-hmm. her embryo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're big I love on all your nicknames. We're big on nicknames in this house. And I, I love mean, it. You know, <laughs> and, you know we, were, we were buying stuff for her. You know, we were just like so convinced that, I mean, she was real to us. Yes. We loved her. Yes. And so we did the, we did the transfer. I, this, the, when we did Elle's transfer, I was just like, let's do this. This time I like, I got, I got one of those like 
Etsy shirts that say like knock me up doc or something crazy like that. I got right. the socks. I was like, yes, I'm going to be like the Instagram version of this because this is going to work <laughs> and I'm not going to be devastated. I'm not going to be triggered when I find this in my closet in three months. So right, right, right. So we, we did the transfer. Everything went super smooth. It seemed like, of course, this worked. And then we, I was actually recording a podcast. I, um, and the co-host of a Michigan politics podcast called Mishmash. Mm-hmm. And I was recording it. And I got the call on my phone. And I had warned my co-host, Jake. I was like, hey, if I just disappear, because we were doing an interview, I'm like, if I just disappear, I'm like, that's why. But I'll be right back. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so I like disappeared. And, you know, I brought Jonathan into my office and the recording is still going. Um, and they said, you know, I'm so sorry, but it didn't work. Mm. And it was, again, it was just this, oh, just utter devastation because mm-hmm. we had done everything earlier that day like we did when we had, when it worked with Elle. You right. know, we went, to, we went to breakfast at the same place. Jonathan asked me, uh, do you think it worked? And I said to him, as a joke, I know my body and I'm not pregnant. Ha ha. You know, like right. we, we even went to the same place to get the blood work done. Yeah. We were just like, we got this. It's going to be great. And it, and it didn't work. And I found out later that my recording had kept going and it caught that. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. And I have it somewhere on a computer. I listened back to it. Just, I'm like, did it, did it? Cause I knew it was still recording afterwards. I'm like, did, is this, can you hear it? And I heard a little bit and I was just like, okay, we'll just. Oh, wow. So it's recording you from the other room when you got the right. Yeah. Wow. Just like outside my little Mm -hmm. closet recording studio. Mm -hmm. So, so that was, Mm. I'm so sorry. That is complete devastation, of course. And yeah, you know, I think that unfortunately, mostly only people that have been through it know how much that hurts, you know, and it's, it's a real loss. It's a huge loss. You know, we always talk about how a loss is a loss and it's like, you know, it doesn't matter how far along you are. It doesn't matter if you lost a transfer didn't work or if an embryo didn't thaw correctly. It's all fucking hard and sad. And it's okay to grieve that and validate that for other people too, you know? Yeah. And it was just such a different experience from the first time it didn't work because the first time it didn't work, we hadn't really personalized the embryo. Mm. Yeah, You know, it was just like, this is a thing we're going to try. Um, we don't know if it's going to work. I'm pessimistic anyway, you know? And it's, mm-hmm. so it was just like, and we, we were, it was so soon after we did the retrieval to the train, like, it was just like a whirlwind. And then we had like this whole weekend to just be together and to just grieve it and to just move forward in our own way. You know, we had a vacation, <laughs> you know, we did all of this. And then this time, I went back to work, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. it was, it was just utterly destroyed. And then it was like, well, I guess we've got stuff to do. Um, right. you know, we took a little bit of a break and there was a book sale that we really wanted to go to and that we, you know, we'd had like a nice little day planned afterwards. So, you know, we, we went to the book sale and just kind of stared off into space and, mm-hmm. but we went back to work, you know, we really didn't have 
the time or the ability to grieve. You know, we have we have Elle. So, you know, once her once her nanny left for the day, you know, we can't completely fall apart. You know, right. She's, totally. she's the little human that still needs us. Exactly. But at the same time, we had really just grown so attached to this vision of our life mm-hmm. that was just suddenly gone. Yep. I know and, exactly what you mean. Yeah. So that was that was devastating. And we took some time after that. You know, we went back to the fertility specialist. We talked to her. And so since then, we've been doing IUI, which is something that we had kind of talked about, but wasn't really a thing that we were really confident in. But we were like, we don't, it's not going to work <laughs> just trying. Cause we did that for a little bit, you know, we, cause I had done acupuncture and stuff. I'm like, well, maybe if we do like trying and acupuncture and something, you know, like maybe mm-hmm. we just, and you know, we got like the little thing that really tells you when you're ovulating. Right. Um, you know, we tried that for a couple months and that was just too aggravating and just seemed like we were wasting time because now it feels like we're getting old. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm always forgetting my age, but I am 33. Mm-hmm. I'm semi-confident in that. Um, you know, my, <laughs> and my husband's older than me. You know, he's not an old man, but like, you know, we're both just like, hey, we're getting to that point where we need to, we need to, to be done with this. Um, yeah. So we started doing IUI and the first IUI, I got pregnant. Oh, wow. And we felt like, I didn't believe them at first. And then we felt like, oh my gosh, we cheated the system. Right. Like, holy, because this is like cheap comparatively to like everything else. We're just like, oh my gosh, did we really get this lucky? Well, yeah. So it's not very common that I talk to people that do IVF and then to go to IUI after that. So was it that you didn't want to go through the whole retrieval? Was it like yeah. a financial thing? Was it everything combined? I mean, it's, it was, and, yeah, I get it. it was, I understand. I'm not saying it's not a good way to go at all. Yeah, no, I mean, a lot of it is emotional. It's not, you know, we only got one out of three embryos, uh-huh. you know, my husband's a math and science person. I'm a something person, but we both just kind of agreed (laughs) that, you know, I'm older than I was when we did the first retrieval. Mm -hmm. What are the odds that we're going to get three embryos again? Probably Mm -hmm. not. Got it. You know, we could make, you know, we'd probably be lucky if we got one. And then, you know, if that doesn't work, it's just you, the, the money that you put into it versus how likely it is. And then not only that, but the, just the emotional stakes are just, so through the roof with IVF. And we both were kind of like, I just don't know that we can do that again. So in the meantime, let's try IUI. Mm -hmm. And the first blood test we got was like really high. Wow. Um, And we were like, oh my God, could it be twins? And all of a sudden we're like, have this like thing in our brain that like, maybe we're having twins and we got to prepare for twins. You're like, we really cheated the system. (laughs) Like I, know, I know, I know. We're talking about this. Like, oh my gosh, we're going to have twins and where are they going to stay? Do we need to move to a bigger house? I'm looking at houses online. You know, we immediately, it was around Christmas time. It was, I think, uh, either just before or just after Thanksgiving. And so like, you know, we're, we're buying some things to put under the tree for it. Even though we're Jewish, we have a Christmas tree. <laughs> uh-huh. Hey, that's um, cool. And then I had to get the second 
blood work and the numbers didn't change at all. Mm. And we were like, what does this mean? And the frustrating part was that we couldn't really get a very straight answer on that from the doctor's office. They were not, they didn't just come out and say, it means that your, that your pregnancy is failing. Mm. You know, they basically just said, well, we got, you know, in a few more days, we'll do another blood test and then we'll go from there and we'll see what it is. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I mean, we started Googling immediately and saw that this is is bad news bears. And Mm -hmm. so we waited and waited. And I just remember being like, because one of the things when I when I was pregnant with Elle is I suddenly had a huge aversion to hot beverages. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't do hot coffee. Could only do like iced or just nothing hot. Uh-huh. Um, and for like a day or two when I was pregnant with with this, I was just like, oh, no, can't do hot beverages. And I was really excited about that. Right. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and then we get this news that like the numbers haven't changed. And I thought about it. And I'm like, I had hot coffee today and it didn't bother me. Mm. And so we're waiting around and we're both just, it felt like we were just like waiting for the inevitable. And so we got another blood work done. The test results seemed to take forever to come back. And then they started going down and they still would not say that what happened was a miscarriage. You know, Mm -hmm. they still would not say that it was that, you know, essentially you're, you're losing your pregnancy or you're not pregnant anymore or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. that was incredibly frustrating. You know, they're I, like, I'm, I'm very against that too. I'm, it's yeah. all miscarriage to me. Did they call yeah. it a chemical pregnancy or? I don't know what they called it, but they wouldn't even, until it was like below zero, they would not say that you're not pregnant. Mm. So I'm just like wanting a beer really, really bad. And they're just like saying, okay, well, let's see what happens next at the next one. I'm just like, what? Can we, can we just say that this is not happening? Right. Um, but like within the span of a week, it was the most exhausting roller coaster because we thought we were pregnant, thought maybe we were pregnant with twins, you know, we're buying stuff, we're excited. And then it's like, oh, maybe this isn't happening. And then zoom, and now it's like, okay, it's not happening. It's this, yeah. It was just coming, came and went so fast. And it mm-hmm. was just so, just devastating. And so, yeah, so that it happened. is, it's such an emotional roller coaster. Yeah. It's just the ups and the downs and, you know, guarding your heart and then getting disappointed. And so you're used to disappointment. So then not enjoying like the good moment, like it's all just so fucked up. Yeah. And we yeah. talked about that because I was like, you know, did we get too excited? You know, cause now like we have stuff for a baby, like hidden all over this house. Right. <laughs> Cause you know, each time we keep, we keep getting stuff because right. there's really cute stuff out there and trying to be optimistic. And then Jonathan has to go and hide it all from me. Right. For me, so that way I don't, poor guy, he gets in charge of that. Exactly. Um, but you know, he always says, he's like, I would rather enjoy the time that we have with these pregnancies with these, with these embryos with, you know, each time he's like, it's, it's, it's who we are. We, we go all in. Yes. Oh, I love that. So, yeah. So, so what are, how are you feeling these days? Like today and what's going on? Yeah. What, you have a we've plan done, or <laughs> we've done a, we've done more rounds of IUI and then we, we've had some medical issues that I don't want to go into, but that have sort okay. of paused the trying essentially. Mm-hmm. So we're just kind of waiting to see what happens with that and if it's 
if we're going to be able to keep moving forward or if, mm-hmm. if we're done or, or what. So we're kind of in a, kind of in a limbo right now and just trying to, <laughs> trying to just enjoy what we do have. And we do, I mean, Elle is just so wonderful, but a part of the reason, a big part of the reason we want more kids is because she's so great. It's, you know, yeah. we want her to have a sibling. Yeah. You know, we want her to have somebody to be with her for the rest of her life. Um, someone to, you know, to go to when Jonathan and I are driving her insane <laughs> and she needs somebody to, to confide in and to have, you know, her own partner in this yeah. world. And, yeah. and while I know that there's, you know, a lot of uh, only children are great and wonderful. We just we just want her to have that friend, especially because you know she's been very cut off from the world a lot because of yes. COVID. You know we've been incredibly careful. You know we, she's never mm-hmm. been to daycare. Mm-hmm. There's kids in the neighborhood that she plays with outside, mm-hmm. but you know she's gone through stretches where she just really doesn't see anybody, and she's you know. She's special and she's mm-hmm. wonderful and we want more of her and we want her to have a friend and yeah. I so. totally get it. You know, secondary infertility, that's what I had. I had a daughter naturally who's now 12 and then it took us, you know, several years to have my son through IVF, but I explained it pretty much the same way that you did that it was like it's not that she's not enough. It's mm-hmm. that she's so incredible that I want mm-hmm. this I want more of this. And mm-hmm. it was like some people could understand that and some people couldn't understand that. But I think that you, I understand what you're saying. And I know you understand what I mean too. It's like, it's coming from a place of love. Yeah. It's because you love being a mom so much and you want another L and you want not same as L, but you know, you want to do it again. Right. Yeah. I get it. I get it. I think secondary infertility is it's hard. And, you know, sometimes it gets a bad rap and people are like, just be happy with what you have and be grateful. And it's like, it's not that I'm not, you know, it's like, I, Mm -hmm. I just love this and I want more and that's okay to want more. So I hope that no one gives you shit about that, you know, but it's, it's tricky. Yeah. I don't read the comment sections on on stuff. That's for sure. I mean, the, the little bit that I did, I was like, oh, you don't know anything. You're terrible, but it's hundred percent. You can always talk to me about it if you need to. Yeah. Because I mean, there is a feeling trying for a second that feels so different from trying for a first because trying Mm -hmm. for a first, you're just like grasping and Mm -hmm. just like constantly just so singularly focused. But when you do it a second time, it's like, okay, well, there's another angle to this. There's Mm -hmm. another part of all of this that you're trying to achieve, but you also, at least I do. I mean, you feel greedy. Like I got so lucky. Why should I think that I would get another one? Yeah. Um, I had waves of that. And then I had to push, then I had to push that out. It's like, I'm not being greedy. It's okay. This isn't greed. This is love, Mm -hmm. you know? Well, before we wrap, I know that when you guys did the waves episode, one of the titles I saw was what I wish I knew before I started IVF. So mm. can you share with the people who are listening a few things that you wish you'd known? Oh man. So I wish number one, always, I wish I had known to always say I've been trying for a year, mm-hmm. <laughs> even if it's not true. Oh man. I, I wish that I had known how hard it was going to be emotionally. And I wish I had made more room for grace for myself, because one, I'm one of those people who I need to be prepared. I need to like, 
I will watch the needle go into my arm because I need to see everything that's happening. Like, I don't care what you're doing to me. As long as you're walking me through it and telling me what you're doing as you're doing it, like, then I'll be okay. Uh, And I just was not prepared at all for how emotionally draining and devastating and just hard to the point of numbing that all of this can become. And I would get so frustrated with myself and I would be worried because I, they've never really found anything wrong with Jonathan. So I've like, it's, it's me, you know, like there's, but they don't know what's wrong with me. So I've always just sort of took it on myself and been like, well, this is, there's something wrong with me. And I've felt guilty to Jonathan being like, you know, he, he could have married any other wonderful person and probably would have had a huge family and he's stuck with me. He would tell you every day that he'd take me over anybody, mm-hmm. you know, any, you know, kids, no kids, whatever. He would, he would choose me every time. Um, and I would choose him every time. But I think it's just so hard. You get lost in the, in the why me and you get lost in the, I'm not good enough. And you get, and you start to feel that like, this is like a personal referendum on you. Yeah. That there's something wrong with you. And that you're not good enough in some way, that this is the universe telling you that you don't deserve it. And I just wish I had known that that's not the case and that it will work out sort of the way it's going to work out, but it's not your fault. Okay, friends, thank you so much for listening. And thanks again to Shayna. Guys, go check out her podcast over at Slate, especially the podcast called The Waves, where I first heard her story. And I also wanted to remind you guys, as usual, to check out Fertility Valley, which is the community that Blair Nelson and I co-founded. It is support. We have four support groups per week. It is three private Facebook groups, so you don't have to wade through all the people out there. It's a little more vetted. It's a little bit more controlled. It's super duper supportive. No judgment zone. We have a website full of videos and content that you are welcome to check out always, even if you're not a member. And we have IRL events and so much more. So check us out on Instagram at Fertility Rally, or you can check out our website, which is fertilityrally.com. Everybody's welcome, no matter what you're going through, no matter who you are. We are worldwide. It's mostly virtual, so it doesn't matter where you live or what time zone you're in, but we would love to have you as part of our family and give you the support that you need. Everybody deserves support. It's such a huge piece of this puzzle, and we are here for you no matter what. So check us out. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you guys next time.